This morning, we're going to do a little mini-series. We're going to start a brand new series on Easter Sunday called I Am. And so we're going to be unpacking that Easter Sunday. But uh, we're going to do a little mini-series this Sunday and next Sunday called Influence. How many of you know what influence is? It's the ability to impact other people. Now, of course, we're talking about spiritual influence. And uh, and and God uh, wants us to have influence to, to touch other people spiritually, to move other people towards Christ. How many of you know that? You know, that's His plan. And so, you know, I believe God wants to empower and equip and, and give us the, the, the vision and the passion to move the kingdom of God forward while the enemy tries to snatch people. God wants us to have the vision of grabbing people and snatching people out of the hands of the enemy, right? In Jeremiah 15, 19, it says, you must influence them and do not let them influence you. Now, Jeremiah is saying, don't let the world's influence or culture change you. You change the world. You change the culture. You change the world around you. Don't let them change you. You change them. God doesn't want us to reflect the world. God wants us to change the world. Are y'all with me out there? He wants us to be more like a thermostat instead of a thermometer. You know, a thermostat, right? It changes the atmosphere. It regulates the atmosphere. A thermometer just reflects the atmosphere. It just gives you a reading of what's going on. The Lord didn't call us to be a thermostat or a thermometer. The Lord called us to be a thermostat, right? He wants us to change. He wants us to change the environment that we're in. Here's another verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 13. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. Now, God has assigned each of us an area of, an inf- of influence. You know, like wherever you live, wherever you hang out, that's your area of influence. And you will have influence in areas that I will never have influence in, right? And so, you know, Paul is saying, listen, God has assigned you an area of influence. Influence it. How many of you know God has assigned Family Life Church an area of influence and he wants that to grow? Listen, our desire and hope is that God will continue to increase our influence. How many of you want to make a difference for God? That's what we're talking about today. In verse 15, it says, We do not boast beyond limit, beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as our faith increases, our area of influence, influence among you may greatly be enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. The apostle Paul's hope for the Corinthian church was that once their faith grew, that their influence would grow even more and it would reach out further and further. And I believe God's desire for us is that our influence, whatever whatever level of influence that we have right now, I believe God wants it to grow more and more. Amen. So listen, we don't have time to, you know, to gaze at each other's navels. We got to worry about changing the world. How many of you know the Lord wants us to be world changers? Amen. And so, you know, I think we should all be praying the Jabez prayer. Remember the Jabez prayer in First Chronicles 4.10? The Bible says that Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. 
enlarge my territory. Jabez said his faith and he prayed that the Lord would enlarge his influence in the world, that he would have a greater impact for the kingdom of God. And I think we should be like Jabez and pray, Lord, would you just increase my territory? Would you just increase my influence? How many of you would be okay if God would do that for you? That's, I think that's what God wants to do. We should all pray that God would use us to impact people all around us more and more every day as the day draws near of the Lord's return. How many of you know the Bible says that we need to work today because there's coming a time where the work is going to be done. When the Lord returns, come on, it's going to be over, right? So we got to keep working. You know, I heard a story recently, you know, of a, a, a ministry hosted by some folks in this church. I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to mention their name, but they're, the ministry is called After Five Ministry. And, uh, they reach out to the, uh, to the inmates that are on work release or are in recovery programs that, you know, that are in, uh, that have been incarcerated. And they, they, have you heard of a meal and a message? That's what they do. They give them a meal. They, they feed them this fine meal, but then they give them a message. And they have somebody share their testimony and share the love of Christ. And I've had the privilege of doing it a few times. I heard Pastor Brandon did it, I think, last month. And 34 guys got saved in that one meal and a message. Isn't that great? Isn't that? Come on, there's about five people that think that's great. You know, and so listen, you know, um, one of the ladies was telling me they, they have prayer meetings and they pray for God to, to anoint their ministry. And they prayed, uh, she was telling me they prayed the Jabez prayer. And just a few days later, uh, the, the authorities that are over LPC, Chap is here. Do y'all know Chap? Chaplain Alex. She's the chaplain at LPCC. Chap, just stand up for just a moment. I want everybody just to see you. We, we need to honor this lady. She's doing an amazing job at Lafayette Parish Correctional Center. But you know, the authorities that be, they, uh, they said, Hey, we like what y'all doing here. And by the way, they used to just bring them off campus to feed them. And they said, Ah, oh, we can't let them go off campus. Y'all need to come here and do it. So they said, okay. And so they had just really enjoying the fruit of what's happening. So they said, you know, these are not the only men that we have. We have some men in another area. Could y'all come back again, uh, maybe another time in the month and do this other group of men? And they said, well, we got to pray about that. No, they didn't. They said, yes. They said, yes. And, and you know, so, you know, the, my, this, the, my sister was just, just telling me, we prayed for God to enlarge our territory. And he did. Come on. How many of you know that one of the best prayers you can pray is God use me. God use me. God help me to change this world. Amen. God will use you. And you don't have to be a theologian to do it. All you got to do, all you got to be is a willing, humble servant and God will use you. Amen. So I want to encourage you, pray that prayer, right? And so I wholeheartedly believe that God wants Family Life Church to just make a, a bigger difference. You know, uh, God never gives us influence for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom of God. God doesn't bless us so we can just use it on ourselves. God blesses us so we can be a blessing. Right? And so, you know, about 40 years ago, there were two guys, um, two guys that have made an impact and have great influence in the world. Uh, one is uh, the founder of YWAM called Lauren Cunningham. Some of you may know him. And the other was, uh, some of you may know of 
Bill Bright, Dr. Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade for Christ. And those two men right there are responsible for thousands and thousands of souls that were saved. But they were friends and they were going to have lunch. And, and so uh, the night before they had lunch, they both had a dream. And, uh, and they wrote down the dream. And in the dream, they saw seven mountains. And so they, they wrote down the dream, and each of them was planning on t- sharing their dream with the other one whenever they had lunch the next day, or that morning, or that day, whatever it is, lunch, you know. <laughs> and so, um, so they got together, and one of them says, hey, I had this dream last night, and God showed me these seven mountains. And, and Bill Bright said, you got to be kidding me. I had a dream last night, and God showed me seven mountains. And God not only showed them seven mountains, but he also gave them the insight into what those mountains represented. And so the seven mountains in the dream, the Lord showed him that the seven mountains represented seven spheres or institutions or principalities that our society was being held by or influenced by. And these seven institutions or principalities, or basically the seven areas that Satan uh, is using to hold control over our society. And but God, how many of you know God wants to weaken his hold and his control? And he wants to change our society. How many of you know the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving? Right? And so the seven mountains or realms of influence were number one, the church. How many of you know that God wants to increase the church's influence so that we can influence our society. The second one was the government. Government has influence in our society, wouldn't you say? And so God wants to put uh, influence the government by putting uh, uh, godly leaders that hold to godly principles and lead our government in godly ways. Because if you don't have godly leaders... The Bible says, when the righteous rule, everybody rejoices. But when the ungodly rule, everybody groans. And then there's the arts and entertainment. There's a strong influence in our culture, through uh, in our society, through arts, through music, through movies, sports, through, um, through um, fashion, entertainment. That's all part of it. And so a lot of people, they model their life, they, they develop their, their values through arts and entertainment. And then there's education. Obviously, uh, our educators are shaping the minds of our society, right? And so, so the more our educational system is influenced by Christ, the more our culture and world can be influenced by Christ, right? Here, here's just a little side note, an interesting point. Most of our liberal Ivory League schools like Harvard and Princeton and others like that were at one time Christian schools. They were actually like Bible seminaries. But the enemy worked his way in there. The ungodly influence has changed them, right? And then there's business. Our business community is shaping our, our, our economic society by following and supporting either the principles of God or the principles of darkness. How many of you know our, our, our business leaders can make a difference in the kingdom of God? And then there's the media, TV, magazine, radio, internet. Obviously, these most definitely are shaping, are influencing our society like never before, right? And then there's the seventh one, there's the family. As the family goes, so does our society. 
In 5,000 years of human history, anytime the family institution was strong and the family had God-fearing leaders in in the family, as long as the family was strong, uh, the the society was strong. But whenever the family crumbled, the society crumbled. I mean, you know, it's important that we have godly families. That's why we talk about relationships. The family is one of the mountains of influence that shape our society. Now, here's the thought. These seven spheres and realms of, 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 of influence or principalities have to be changed or influenced in a godly way if the world will be changed, right? And so then the question is, how do you change those realms of influence? Well, I believe the answer is you gotta, you change your world by changing the realm of these these uh, influencers. So how can we change the society? By changing, number one, the church. By changing the government. By changing the arts and entertainment. By changing education, business, media, and the family. And so within every evangelical church is the solution to change our society. Because it's the born-again, spirit-filled believers. How many of you know the, the answer to the world's problems is the church? I, listen, you might not believe this. You might have never thought about this. It's not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not the liberals or the conservative. The solution to the world's ills and problems is the church of the living God. It's every born again believer in the world today. Without a doubt. If the church is mobilized, if the church begins to influence, have a greater influence in our world, we can change the world. Do y'all believe that this morning? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now the word church in the Greek, ecclesia, means the called out, God's called out ones. God's assembly or a congregation of followers. And so the church that Jesus is speaking of here that he wants to build is every Christian in every church throughout the world. I will build my church. It's God's followers throughout the world, right? How do you change your influence, these seven spheres? It's through the church. I will build my church. And listen, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, I love whenever the, you know, uh, some NFL team wins the Super Bowl or NBA team wins the championship. I love it when they put the camera on some superstar and they say, first of all, I want to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ who gives me the ability to do that. Don't you love that? It's, it's, it's the, the influence of the church in the spheres of arts and entertainment. And so wherever we are positioned in this world, God wants us to have an impact. If we have God's spirit and values flowing in in all these arenas, then these arenas will be changed. In Matthew 5, 13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It changes things. Salt preserves It changes. It influences. Whatever it comes in contact with, it makes it different. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And so as believers, to make every environment, uh, God wants us to make every environment that we touch better, not worse. Right? 
As believers, we are to be a positive influence in our society. And we can't do that by being a thermometer. We can do that by being a thermostat, not reflecting the society, being different than the society, not acting like our society, but changing our society by our behavior. Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? Influence. We're talking about influence. So how do we change our world? Todd, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, uh, you know, that's pretty big, uh, you know, task that you're thinking of there. Changing the world. Yes. Yes. We can change the world because we serve a, a, a big God. He's not a little bitty God. He's not baby Jesus. He's the Messiah, the resurrected one. He's a, the great I am. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the one that says that the end is here, right? And that's who we serve. So listen, how do we change the world? Let's, let's just get a little bit practical here. How do we change our world that we live in. And by the way, when I say the world, you know, obviously, we, we, I think Family Life Church is making a difference in the world. We've planted churches all over the world. Those churches are lighthouses making a difference everywhere. And so I think so. But when I say changing the world, what about your world? What about my world? How, what are we doing in our world, in your realm? What's going on where you live? What's going on where you hang out all day and every day? That's the world we're talking about, changing the world that we live, that Todd lives in, and that you live in, right? So how do we do that? First, I must remember that I am the church. I am the church. Many people mistakenly think that the church is a building. Oh, that's, it's that church down the street, and they point to a building. How many of you know that's not the church? You know, I remember uh, many years ago, uh, First Baptist Church burned down. Did y'all, did y'all remember that? I remember watching the news that night and, uh, and they were interviewing Pastor Perry Sanders, who's now, uh, going, has now, uh, going to be with the Lord. But they interviewed him and the, and the interviewer said, Pastor Sanders, what are you going to do? You lost your church. Your church is gone. And I loved his response without missing a beat. He said, Oh, no, no, no. The church is fully intact. The church is great. The church is not that building that burned down. The church is the people inside that building. And everybody's just fine. So the church is fine. We'll keep going. And how many of you know First Baptist has kept going? And so listen, listen, Jesus reminds us all, don't forget to let your light shine. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. How many of you know that our light is not supposed to be hidden in a church building? I'm going to let that set a little while. Our light is supposed to be shining out into the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You're not the light of the church building. You are the light of the world for others to see. And sometimes our light doesn't shine because of the fact that it's being hidden under a bowl. Because we allow tradition, religion, fear of man to keep our light hidden. Everybody else is getting bold about where they are. 
It's time the church take the bowl off the light and let the light of Jesus shine. We'll never shine as long as we're full of fear. And as long as we're just interested in religion and entertainment. Come on, we got to be serious about this thing. Hey, everybody, our job is not so much to bring people to church. Although that's one of the things that we do. It's our job to bring church to people. Because we are the church. Salt is not meant to be in, stay in the salt shaker. Salt is supposed to come out of the salt shaker. Right? We are to let our light shine for all the world to see. Look at it like this. Every relationship and friendship you cultivate at work, in your neighborhood, at school, is an opportunity to let your light shine and bring church to the world. Listen, history is proven. Before someone comes or enters the doors of a church building like this, they first have a pleasant experience with someone who represents the church. Are y'all with me? So I've noticed that when God begins working in someone's life, He usually starts by sending one of His lights into their life. And I'm just thinking real quick, when I got saved, He brought my brother and sister-in-law into my life, and they became the church to me, and they let their light shine, and I experienced church. Amen? I'm thinking about Pastor Brady. When Pastor Brady became a Christian, he came to church here and got saved. But before he came here, he had a best friend who had a mom that was a believer and let her light shine. And Pastor Brady saw a light in her, so she brought church to Pastor Brady, and he followed her over here to the building, and he's been serving God ever since. I'm going to be grateful for that. Amen. You know, I'm thinking, you know, Pastor Brandon, you know, Pastor Brandon, uh, you know, he, he had a light shine in his life through his mom and her friends. And through that light, he got introduced to church and he got saved. Most of you in this room, the reason why you're a Christian is somebody brought church to you and let their light shine and you got saved as a result. Amen. So what kind of church is going on where you work? What kind of church is going on in your neighborhood? What kind of church is going on in the classroom where you go to school? Come on, how many of you believe we need to be a light-giving church? A light-giving church. We are not to bring darkness in our workplace. We are to bring light. Amen. You are the light of the world. Don't forget, you're the church. Don't forget where your light comes from. It's not your light. The light that's on the inside of you is not your light, it's His light, right? John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, if our light is not shining bright enough for people to see, then we need more Jesus in our life. I like in the book of Acts where it says, they noticed they had been with Jesus. They could see Jesus in them. You know, the question I have to ask is, do people see Jesus in me? Hopefully they do. I think the question we should all ask is, do people see Jesus in us? Look, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let there be light and darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God's light comes from Christ shining in our hearts. 
So listen, every time we smile, God's light shines. Every time we're kind, God's light shines. Every time we're generous, God's light shines. Every time we love others, God's light shines. God's light shines through loving, godly hearts and kind, compassionate Christ followers. Don't forget the objective that God's called us to be lights and we're to let our light shine. But don't forget the, the purpose is to let our light shine. It's not for personal recognition, but for glory, for the glory to belong to God. For not us to get recognized, but for God to get recognized, right? And that's what he says in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, right? So the goal of letting our light shine is to bring church to others so they can see the value and blessing of, of living for Christ. And they, they might desire to want to live for the Christ that you and I are say, serving. That's how God is changing the world. He doesn't have a plan B. We are his plan. How do you change the world? First, remember that I am the church. And I don't mean Todd Menorah. I mean you are the church. You're the church. Let your light shine, church. Take the basket off of it and let it shine like never before. But I also must remember that I am the sermon. I'm not just the church, I'm the sermon. Have you ever heard a sermon at church that you wish someone that wasn't here would have heard? Come on, don't lie in church now. Well, how about we bring the sermon to them? How about we bring the sermon to them? We must remember that we are all living, walking sermons being preached everywhere we go. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're a preacher. Say, so I don't want to be a preacher. You are. You're preaching something. You just got to worry about what you're preaching. Right? Because your life testifies. Your life, your life speaks a message. Second Corinthians 3, 2 says, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. We all carry a letter in our heart. Paul is saying, we are God's letters known and read by all men. People read us. They read what kind of person we are. They read what kind of spirit we live in and we live by. They read us every day. We are all living, walking sermons read by people every day. And so whether we realize it or not, our lifestyles, our actions, our behavior, our conversations preach Christ wherever we go. What we need to be concerned about is what kind of Christ are we preaching? What kind of sermon are we preaching with our lifestyle, our behaviors, and our actions? Does this make sense? 
It's, it's the kind of sermon we're preaching, the love of God. It's the kind of sermon we're preaching, the love and the compassion of God. Or is it judgmental, self-righteous, arrogant, hypocritical, and unloving sermons? I'm telling you, I didn't get one to Christ because I had a lot of judgmental, critical, self-righteous, arrogant people around me. I got one to Christ because they reflected the love of God. Amen. And I, I, I'm willing to bet the same thing happened to you too. Right? Nobody is one to Christ by, by unloving sermons. So we got to make sure we're preaching the right sermon. I heard a story just recently and it, Again, it's amazing how I, I hear these stories and they, they line up with, with what I'm going to be sharing. But I heard a story of a businessman and he told me he hired this guy uh, that they quickly found out didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity, with Christian's Christianity or Christ. He wasn't interested at all. So they said, well, that, you know, that's a, not a pre, the prerequisite, the prerequisite to work here is that you work. That you're not a Christian. He said, I can do that. So he started working. Well, this business owner, he's a Christian. He just tried to live out his life and run his business as godly as he could. So one day this guy says, hey, I need to talk to you. Can I have a meeting with you? Yeah. Well, it turns out he had another Christian working for him. And this guy who didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity sat down across the table, uh, the desk from the Christian owner. And he said, hey, he said, I know you're a Christian. I know you, you, uh, you're a follower of Christ. And I know you have a, another person here that works here that's a Christian. But he said, I got a problem. He said, this Christian is abusing you. This Christian is misusing you. He's not working and he's taking advantage of you. And it's, it is getting to me. Because a Christian is not supposed to live like that. And he says, whoa. He says, well, listen, man, don't worry about it. I see what you're saying. And I see the same thing that you do. And obviously, uh, I'm not pleased. I'm not satisfied with his work behavior. But I, I'll talk to him. Just, just leave that up to me. He said, well, man, thank you for hearing me out. And so, of course, he called the other Christian in. And he said, hey, man. He said, uh, you love Christ, right? You, you love serving the Lord. Yeah. He said, well, man, you know, Christianity don't stop when you leave that church building you go to. Christianity continues on while you work here. He said, man, you're not helping my cause here. Because of your behavior, your work ethic, you're smearing Christianity. Could you do me a favor and start getting on fire for God at work as you are in that church building? Amen. You know what happened? That guy's work behavior changed. This guy that didn't want to have anything to do with church, Christianity, anything, he came knocking on the business owner's door again. He said, can I talk to you? He said, oh, I don't know where, where this is going. And he said, look, man, he said, I got some personal problems. Would y'all pray for me? He said, you better believe, close the door. And he prayed for him right there. It turns out the guy was raised in church. But he had a father that was abusive. And he was at church acting like everything was fine. But when he'd get home, he would abuse his family. The sermon his father preached to him was the wrong sermon that turned him off to Christ and Christianity. Are y'all hearing me out here? 
What kind of sermon are you preaching? Preach the love of God. Amen. If you got that, say, I got that. A third way to change the world is this. I must remember that I'm the preacher. I'm the preacher. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Preach means to proclaim. The good news, or, or the gospel is the good news. How many of you know the gospel is good news? It is good news. How many of you know the Bible is good news? We have a way of making it bad news. But it's good news. See, but Todd, didn't people that don't become Christians go to hell? Yes. But the good news is Jesus died so they don't have to go there. Come on, how many of you know there's good news, right? So we are to go to, in all the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I love this passage of Scripture in Romans 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? See, we must remember that we are the mouthpiece of God. We are to proclaim Christ. He wants to use you and I to tell the good news of His love and of His forgiveness. See, our job is to tell His story. See, when we think about, you know, man, I would love somebody to hear that sermon. Well, how about we bring that sermon to them? How about we live that sermon? How about we live it out? Our job is to tell the good news, to tell the story. Suppose someone asks you, how do you become a Christian? Can you tell them how? Can you tell them how? Or, or do you have to pick up the phone and call a pastor? Or call somebody else? How many of you would, how many of you believe that we should all be able to lead somebody to Christ? And so look, let, let me just kind of, let me just wrap it up here by just saying this. Every believer should be able to share Christ. And this is how we can do it very easily. Just tell your story. Just tell your story. And so listen, there are three parts to your story. Well, the first part is what your life was like before you met Christ. How many of you say, oh, I know what you're talking about now. My story was I was lost. I was empty. I couldn't find any any happiness and fulfillment in life. I tried everything that in the natural scene would, would fill the void in my life, but none of it worked. How about you? That's my story. I wasn't happy with who I was. I always wanted to be like somebody else. I was miserable. That's the first part. The second part, the events of how you met Christ. Then I had a brother and a sister-in-law that invited me to a play, a drama. This is a case where drama was good. And so I went to a drama production. 
And at the drama production, it just told about how, you know, everybody is ruled in their life by either Satan or God. And this is what it looks like if Satan is controlling your life. And they played that out. And they said, this is what your life is like if you let Christ rule your life. This is what it looks like. And at the end of the play, they said, who's controlling your life? And I just knew right away. My friend Doug Renard was with me. We both knew right away. We're on the wrong puppet string. We're being controlled by the wrong influence. And they gave me a chance to change the person that was controlling our life by just turning our hearts over to Jesus. So that day, I walked up to the altar. I asked the Lord to forgive my sins. I invited Christ in my life. I cried, but it was good, happy tears. And then I went home and went party. But I was miserable partying. Because Jesus had touched my heart. My eyes was open. And now I couldn't live my life without Christ. So I went back to church. Family life church. 33 years ago. And my life has been changed drastically ever since. So the third part is. The difference Christ has made in your life. Man, after I gave my life to Christ, I had happiness. The things that I thought would bring joy, those things just, those things just fell away. And all of a sudden, I had purpose. I was a child of God. God wanted to use me. God wanted me to be His Son. God wanted me to live for Him. I was learning principles and truths that started to transform my life. Since I met Christ, man, I have a bad day, but my bad day is better than my best day before I met Christ. My life is just has this turn around, and I'm so excited to live my life for Christ. That's my story what your life was before you met Christ, how you met Christ, what your life is like after. Come on, how many of you could just help me out right here and just say, let me tell you about my story. See, when people start getting touched by the light in us and they start asking us questions, all we got to do is tell them our story. We just got to tell them our story. Man, I know what it's like to be empty. I know what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to be addicted. I know what it's like. I know what it's like not to be interested in going to church. I know what it's like to just have religion. That's not what it's about. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you tap into Jesus, hey, they know drug that's going to match the high of the most high God. Amen. Yes. Come on. How many of you can relate to that? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. We need preachers out there, not people that carry around the big booming Bibles that beat people over the head. Say, turn or burn. Right? I tell you, those people never won me to Christ. They made me want to punch them out. They stirred up the devil in me. That's what they did. But it's whenever somebody just lived the light and love of Jesus Christ and it just propelled me to have what they had, to want what they had. And I gave my life to Christ. God wants us to be influencers and we can. 
We just need to, first of all, be the church. Second of all, be the sermon. And third of all, just be the preacher. People that are not interested in Christianity, it's because they've seen too much hypocrisy. They've been around too many critical, judgmental, self-righteous, egotistical Christians. And so we need to show them something else. That not all Christians are like that. Amen? And let's let the love of Christ just shine through us. And I believe that we can make a difference in the world. Do you believe that? Would you do me a favor and stand with me? Just bow your head with me for just a moment. I just shared my story. You might be here today and can relate with what it's like to just be empty. To have no purpose. To be unsatisfied. To try the things the world has to offer to make your life feel full. And it doesn't. Christ don't want you to live like that. Christ wants you to live an abundant life. That's why He died. That's why He shed His blood. That's why He gave His all. He so loved the world, the people in the world, that He gave His life so that we could have an abundant life. If you're here today, everybody else is praying for you. But if you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm a true, genuine Christian. But this morning, I'm ready to give my life. I'm ready to surrender. To Jesus, if that's you, would you just lift your hand? And I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just lift your hand and just hold it up long enough for me to see it. Just hold it up. And I want to pray for you because today could be the transformation of your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, how about the rest of us? I haven't, I didn't see a hand. So that means that we're all lights in here. How's our light shining? Do we have a basket on it? Do we have a bowl on it? How's, how's our church? Is it life-giving? For Family Life Church to be life-giving, the people in the church have to be life-giving. But you are the church. You are the sermon. How's your sermons going? How are you preaching? What kind of testimony? You might have another person watching you, your work ethic, your behavior, your attitude. What kind of message are you sending out? How about we just, how about we just tweak that sermon? Start just preaching the love of God everywhere we go. Come on, maybe some of you, maybe you just feel timid. That you, if somebody asked you about Christianity, if somebody asked you to help them give their life to Christ, you might feel inadequate. But I believe the Lord just wants you to share your story. This is how Christ has changed my life. This is what it was like before. This is what is. This is how I came to Christ. This is what my life is like now that I'm serving God. You can do this. We are the salt. We are the light. Can we ask the Lord to just increase our saltiness? And that don't mean being crusty. It means being more loving, more godly, more compassionate, more merciful. Come on. Can we ask the Lord to just 
just increase our light. Not that it blinds people, but that people can tell we're different than the world. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, we, the church, the church of the living God, that, Lord, you would cause us, Lord, to begin to have greater influence than ever before. Lord, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, at our school, Lord, in our church, wherever we go, wherever we do, in Walmart, on Johnson Street, wherever we go, Lord, may the love of God, may the light of Jesus shine through us like never before. Thank you, Lord, that you're empowering us, that you're just releasing your grace over us today. I pray in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus and everybody that agreed said amen. 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 Okay, well, listen, we've been in the salt shaker. Now let's go out onto the table of the world and let our salt change the world. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.